there are two kinds of people. Say two. Two kinds of people in the world. There, like when it comes to our pets, there are two kinds of people in the world, right? We have, we have the, the dog people, and then we have the crazy, I mean the cat people, right? Two kinds of people in the world. Like when it comes to um, a setting an alarm, they say there are two kinds of people. Those that set just one alarm, and those that set 47 alarms five minutes apart. If you're doing that, God, we want to pray for you. Please, let us pray for you. They say there are two kinds of people. When it comes to your email inbox, there are those of us who clean it up and keep it nice and tidy. And there are those of you that have 13,000 pending emails. Jody, I love you, but you know what group you're in, don't you? So we pray for that. There are two kinds of people, they say, when it comes to toothpaste. There are people that just roll it from the bottom, and there are people that strangle it like you're trying to murder it. Okay? There are two kinds of people in the world when it comes to our gas gauge. There are people that when it gets beyond a half tank, you run to the gas station. Actually, you drive there with your car. But there are those of you, and you know who you are, and it sits on E, and it stays on E, but you know your car. And you know when you got to go there. And everybody is different, by the way, when they're on E. I've seen different people do different things. My brother, when, I, when him and I were in the car once as kids, uh, I don't even know if he had a license. I'm pretty sure he didn't. But we're driving, and we're on E, old blue car. I don't even remember what it was. But he's, he's doing this with a wheel, kind of shaking the car back and forth. I said, why are you doing that? He said, well, we're spreading the gas around in the tank. It makes it, I'm like, that is so made up. Plus, I'm getting car sick, so knock it off. But I've heard people say, we're low on gas. Roll the windows down. And then somebody else is like, we're low on gas. Roll the windows up. And I had one person say one time in a car with friends, and they said, we're low on, we were low on gas and afraid we're going to run out. And they're like, shh, shh. And I'm like, shh. Turn the radio down. And I'm like, I'm no mechanic, but I'm pretty sure that our volume in the car is not impacting that. I'm like, I don't get it. People just freak out. But there are two kinds of people in the world in many different areas. There are people that make excuses, something we've been talking about in this series, and there are people that live their purpose. And if you don't know it, I'm going to remind you. Rachel gave you the mission statement. We exist to lead people to Christ and their God-given what? Purpose. Yeah. You were created on purpose with a re for a reason. And, and I don't want to just say that like scripture backs it up all over the place. I'll just pick one scripture and show you. Ephesians 2.10. You are God's creation. See, God, God's creation, when he creates a creation, it's created to do something, to be something. You are God's creation, created in Christ Jesus to do, say do, to do good works, which God prepared for you in advance to do. Repeat after me, say, I was created on purpose for a purpose. I just need you to believe it. I just need you to believe it. And excuses that we make in our lives, and if we're honest, we've all made them, and many times we're still making them, excuses will bypass you from your purpose. That's what happens. You will bypass your purpose, and I will too, if we make excuses. And the more we make, pretty soon if we keep making them, we end up living a life of regret. And what we say is, I, I, we look back and we're like, I should have done that. I, I could have done that. And, and, but I didn't do it. And, and because I didn't do it, now I'm just, instead of living, I'm existing. 
and I existed my whole life and never lived what I was created to be, what I was created to do. And I'm just telling you, God, Jesus didn't die on a cross that you might exist. He didn't. Jesus didn't die on a cross so that you could make excuses or I could make excuses or that we would miss our purpose. The Bible says he died so that you might have life and have it to the full. I just need you to believe it. I just need you to believe that he has something for you that's greater than you can dream or imagine. But the more that we make excuses in our life, the more we're going to miss it. That's why, that's why this series, series is so convicting and is so real and it's exciting. So, so Jesus, you'll hear a lot about him today. This guy said insane stuff. Stuff that made a lot of religious people mad, and I love it. So today you're going to hear another thing that Jesus said. And, it, and it, it, it was so offensive to the religious people. And it starts in John 8. That's what I'm going to preach out of today. This is, John is one of the good friends of Jesus. He was one of the disciples. And John recorded stuff that Jesus did. And he wrote down stuff that Jesus said. And he didn't know he was like writing through, the, through, the, through God's hand. He just thought, gosh, this is crazy. I can't believe Jesus said that to those guys. Like, like one time John wrote down, it's John 8, 12. And John wrote, Jesus spoke to them again, to the religious people. And Jesus claimed, I am the light of the world. Okay. Pause. That's a bold statement. Okay? That you're the light of the entire world. Like, like imagine you walking into work on Monday and you walk in and the first thing you say to your coworkers, I am the light of the world. And you know what they're saying? No, you're the reason I want to work from home, actually, is what you are. Okay? You're you're now your boss is bringing in for a drug test because you're you're acting weird. I am the light of the world. But Jesus said it. And he continues: if you follow me, say follow. If you follow me, you don't have to walk in darkness anymore because you will have the light that leads to life, the abundant life that we just cheered about and clapped about, that life. But, but the, one of the key words in that scripture is follow. That's why I had you repeat it. Jesus doesn't say, well, if you, if you just believe in me, the religious people believed in him. They believed in his miracles. They didn't, they didn't question the miracles of Jesus. They just wanted him to stop. So, but Jesus doesn't say, if you believe in me, if you admire me, right? Jesus doesn't need more admirers, by the way. Your, your admiration for Jesus isn't going to change your life, really. It's not going to make a difference in the lives around you. Jesus isn't calling us to admire him. Jesus isn't calling us to be a fan of his. Jesus says, follow me. Why? Because it's the men and women who follow Jesus that change the world. That's what he says. I need you to follow me. It's such, a, it's such a key word. So Jesus speaks this first verse. I am the light of the world. Follow me and you'll have this light. It leads to life. And he continues because they challenge him. Actually, that's what, that's what I'll read next. The very next verse, the Pharisees, a religious group, they say, hold up, Jesus. You're making those claims about yourself? Such a testimony is not valid. And Jesus told them, oh, these claims are valid. Even though I make them about myself, they're valid. For I know where I came from. And I know where I'm going. In other words, I know why God sent me, the Father. I know my purpose. I know where I came from. I know where I'm going. But you don't know that about me. 
And later, so, so Jesus has this conversation with the Pharisees. And, and a few verses later in verse 31, listen to what he says. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, because belief is just the beginning. The people who believed in him, you know, you're truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. Hmm. So you're saying we need to follow, not just believe. And if we're believing, we really know we're following if we're faithful to what you say. And we're faithful to what you, what, what you teach and, and what, you, what you ask of us. You, you're faithful. And then he says, and you might even know this scripture, and he continues, and you will know the truth. See, my teachings are truth. Actually, Jesus, I am truth. So my teachings are truth, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you what? Free. So Jesus makes a statement, and he alludes to the fact that the religious people aren't free. He's saying, you'll finally be free. You'll be free to see. You'll be out of the darkness. And that offends them even more. See, today Jesus wants us to leave our excuses that we're making that are holding us back in the dark. Jesus wants to expose us and bring us into the light. Not to call us out or make us feel shameful or bad, but so we can do something about what we've been, what's been hindering us. I wrote down, he wants to light up our world and expose anything and everything holding us back. He wants to shine a light on those excuses, on those reasons that we keep giving. But if we're honest, and, and come on, you got to be with me in this. If we're honest... There's, there's times that we don't want Jesus to shine a light on something. Like, I, I'm, I'm kind of, I have fear about what, what, what you're going to light up. I, I, or we already know what's in the, most, and this is most cases, we already know what's in the dark. But we know that if it gets lit up and gets called out, well, then we got to do something about it. But that's what Jesus wants because he loves you too much to leave you where you're at. So, so this is what the light does. But again, many times we're like, well, if, it's, if I can't see it, then it's not there. And how insane is that? That's like me as a kid, and this is a true story, and maybe it was for you too if you're bold enough to admit it. But as a kid, I, always, I was freaked out at night. Like I was, I had older brothers and sis, or older brother and four sisters, and it, they, they wrecked me in many ways. So, um, uh, so I got freaked out at night, and I got scared. Because I was convinced, and maybe you were too, that when I went to bed, outside my door was a serial killer, right? Like Tuesdays, it was Freddy. Uh, Wednesdays, it was Jason from Friday the 13th. Uh, Thursdays, it was Michael Myers. And Friday, it was a free-for-all. You don't know who's going to show up. But, but, but what I did to, to combat that, and maybe you did this too, we, we pulled the sheet over our head. And I'm like, well, if I'm, if I'm under this sheet, then it's not real. Then they're not there. Then it won't happen. Somehow believing that a little thin 100% cotton sheet was going to stop the knife from impaling my body. Okay? I wasn't the smartest kid. So, but think of how, how just absurd that is. That's what we do when we're like, God, don't shine a light. Everybody sees it. Your friends see it. Your spouse sees it. Your kids see it. But, but, you, but somehow you're just like, no, 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 it's not real. I'm not excusing that. I'm not making those excuses. So, so do you know how the religious people, I'll, I'll read it to you in a second. Do you know how they responded to Jesus when he said, I, I, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. You know what they made? Excuses. Listen to this. What verse am I in? 33. But we're descendants of Abraham. Like, like Jesus, you're, you're, you're saying we're not free? We're, we're the chosen Israelites. We're the Jewish nation. We are descendants of Abraham. 
We've never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean you'll set us free? Did you hear what they just said? I'm going to say it again. They just said, the Israelites, we've never been slaves to anyone. Remember, excuse is a lie that you tell yourself about yourself. How we lie to ourselves and believe it. I think they believe what they're saying. Okay, you've never been held captive. You've never, no one's ever oppressed you. Okay, what about the Babylonians? You forgot about all that? What about the Assyrians? Okay, okay, what about now? Like you're living under the rule of Rome right now. Your, your governor is Pilate. He's a Roman, okay? You are in denial, and I'm not talking about some river in Egypt. Well, what about Egypt? Speaking of that, you were slaves for 400 years. How they could make that statement, but they're believing it. This is our excuse. Set us free? We've never. You've never? What we tell ourselves is crazy. But, but we, can't just, we can't just call them out, the Pharisees. Jesus calls us all out with what he says next. Jesus replied to them, I tell you the truth. Everyone, say everyone. Everyone who sins is a slave. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave isn't a permanent member of a family, but a son, a, right, a true child is part of a family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. So we are all slaves. That's what Jesus just said. We're all messed, we've all messed up. We've all, like, you won't even argue this. We've all done things we know we shouldn't have done, right? And then we regretted what we did. And then we say things like, oh, I can't believe I did that. Like, I can't believe I bought that. I can't believe I posted that. I can't believe I went there. I can't believe I dated him. Why, why did you let me date him? We told you not to, right? Your mama told you not to date him, Right? Your best friend told you not to date him. His friends told you not to date him. Your pastor told you not to date him. Fortune cookie told you not to date him. But oh no, you said he had potential, right? Oh, he's got potential. That's dangerous. Can we agree there are a lot of people living in their parents' basement who have potential? Don't date, do not date anyone with potential. Date someone with a purpose who loves Jesus. And if they're good looking, that's just a bonus, right? That's, that's who you want potential some of you 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 know who you're dating potential right now aren't you and you know it so all right so jesus continues the conversation this is going to get real jesus is inviting them he loved the pharisees don't 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 miss that we think they're the enemy they weren't the enemy we have one enemy and he wants to come he steals kills and destroys anything and everything about you and he is the devil the Pharisees weren't the enemy. Jesus loved them. That's why he would have these conversations with them all the time, desperately wanting them to see the excuses they're making, the lies they're believing, the reasons they're giving. And you and I do the same thing. So Jesus invites them into a better way, a brighter way, a lighter way. He invites them to leave the dark, leave the excuses in the dark and step into the light. So I, I, as I prayed over this message, I believe God wanted to make it so practical that you don't just come and you hear a message and it feels great and you feel good. Uh, yeah, I, I, that's all great. But, but what will you do with what you hear? That's the most important part of this message, by the way. 
It'll be what you do with what you hear. So I'm going to give you two questions. Some of you, you should answer them right now on the spot. In your notes, if you got notes, uh, in your phone, in your head. I don't care how you do it. And others, you'll have to chew on it. Maybe later today, you'll, you'll come up with the answer. But you need to come up with an answer. What excuses am I making, are you making, in general? That, that's a very broad uh, uh, question. What excuses are you making? I, I would say this. I would even be more specific. I, I, I start broad, but you can narrow it down. Maybe you have a list. I'd say if you have a list, pick one. Right? What, 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 what's the biggest one? What's the one excuse that you know that, that God wants to expose and wants you to get set free from? What's that excuse? Identify it. You will never defeat what you don't define. That's what this is all about. You won't, and I won't either. So what excuses are you making? What's the one excuse you're making? And maybe, maybe you're sitting there thinking, honestly, pastor, I'm not trying to be like proudful or like I'm all that, but I can't, I really can't think of any. Okay, let me help. Remember what Jesus said earlier about who's, the, who's really a disciple? The ones who obey, the ones who do what his teaching says? What teachings do you know in the word of God that you're not doing? It's convicting. Like, what's the biggest one? Jesus said, love others the way that I love you. I'll up the ante. Jesus said, love your enemies. Are you doing that? Who's the person in your life that you would have a hard time praying for, that you would have a hard time reaching out to to say something positive, to say something encouraging, to say something uplifting? It might be the ex-spouse or the, spot, the ex that you can't stand, the teacher that has it out for you, right? The, the, maybe, it's, maybe it's someone right in your, your family. It could be your spouse. And right now, things are, it's, it's enemy territory right now. But God is saying, Jesus specifically is saying, stop making excuses about why you won't love them. Love them. You're called to live differently if you're in me. You're called to follow me. Not just believe in me, but follow me. This, I'll, I'll, I'll share my one excuse that I, I'm going to be held accountable by my small group and by you now because I'm putting it out there. But the body's a temple. That's what the word of God says. And, and are, are you or I taking care of the temple that God has given us? Is it a temple or is it turning into a tent, right? I mean, God says be healthy. Treat your body uh, well by what you eat, by if you work out, Monty, right? You, you got the gym membership. You drive by the gym. You see the gym. You just don't go in. It's like, dang, God's calling me out. It's like, God, I've been working out. I've been doing resistance training. I'm resisting the gym. God's like, no, 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 that ain't right. So, so that is my commitment to you, that this week I will be in that gym. Not just going, but I'm actually going to pick up a weight and do something with it. I might chuck it at somebody if I get mad. But I don't know. I, I, I just know for me, God's calling me out. The body's a temple. For some of you, it's committing adultery. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Jeez, pastor. I ain't committing adultery. Well, Jesus said lust is the same as adultery. And, and maybe because of the text that you're sending or an email that you're sending or a look that you're giving somebody else, it is in lust. Or what you're watching. Well, pastor, if you're talking about, like, pornography, you know what? My spouse, they're into it, and, it, you know, it, it ain't hurting nobody. Well, whether your spouse is into it or not, it doesn't matter. Jesus isn't. And it is hurting people. Number one, the people that you're watching, they're, so, they're being so damaged. That's, that's the first problem. There's many. 
But, but, but whether you think it's harmless or not, I, I came to tell you it's harmful. I came to tell you, I came to tell you Jesus loves you too much to do that to yourself, to change the wiring in your mind, to change your patterns and your thoughts. It changes everything about you. It changes everything about your relationship. And, and even if your spouse doesn't think it's, yeah, I promise you you're hurting them and you're hurting your family. Is that the excuse that you know, it's no big deal? It's, you know, it's only, I'm only this. Nah, those are excuses. Those are reasons. I'll give you another one that's so personal to me. I like getting vulnerable. I mean, I, I struggle with you guys. Um, giving for me was the hardest thing I ever did when it came to God. I'd give up everything else, but I would never, I would never give. I would never give. I wouldn't tithe. I wouldn't give 10%. Are you kidding me? God, I wouldn't do that. And I had every excuse not to. And maybe you made the same excuses. God, once I, once I get the promotion, then I'll start to give back, Okay. Once we get out of debt, then I'll start to give back. Once I get the student loans paid off, then I'll give back. Soon, God, that was, my, that was my soon. Soon, God, when the kids are out of college and that's paid for, soon. You know, pretty soon I'll do this. And God's like, soon? You're fooling yourself. You've got more reasons. You've got more excuses. And I'm pointing the finger at me. And maybe that's you. We'll just come up with excuse after excuse why we won't be obedient. But Jesus said in Matthew 23, tithe. Not because it's money, but because it's your heart. That's what, I mean, he, it took him a long time to get my heart, just being honest. What I'm about to say next might be the biggest thing. Forgiveness. If you're a disciple of Jesus, if you're following Jesus, forgiveness is not an option. This is hard, this is hard to hear, too, because things have happened to you, and things have happened to me, and people have done things and said things and uh, hurt us. And I'm not saying any of that is right. It's not about that being right or wrong. It's, it's wrong. But as a follower of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, the ball's always in our court. And if you're harboring unforgiveness, you're not following Jesus. Not in that moment. You're not in Christ. You're outside of, you're outside of Christ. You don't know what they did to me. I'm sorry what they did to you, and you're right. I don't know. But I, I know what they didn't do. They didn't string you up on a cross and murder you. That's what happened to Jesus. And the first thing he said, forgive them. I'm telling you, this holds more Christians back. They think it's optional. It's not. You're making it optional, and, and it's disobedient, and it's holding you back. And you'll come up with every excuse in the book not to do it. Jesus commands us to do it. Why? Because he loves us. He knows what will happen. What excuses are we making? And the second question is this. What will you lose if you continue to excuse you need to know what you'll lose. Because if you don't spell it out, the devil will convince you that you're not going to lose anything. In fact, he'll convince you that it's somehow going to be better. It, it's insane. He's a deceiver. There's a reason he's called that. So what will you lose? I wrote down, what do I give up if I keep excusing? What, 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 who do I give up? What do I walk away from? Who do I walk away from? Who walks away from me if I keep excusing? If I keep coming up with reasons, what do I miss out on with my loved ones, with friends or family or kids? With your kids, you only get to raise them once. You only, you only bring them up once, right? They only leave home once. Dad, yeah, you're right. I guess, I mean, sometimes they're the boomerang kid, right? They just keep coming back. But they got potential, right? You know, it's like, here we are. What are you going to lose? What will it cost me? Ask yourself that question. You know what I wrote down? And I don't even know your story, but I know this. 
the price is just too high. It's way too high. We get one shot. We get one body. We get one soul. We get one life. One. It's too high. What are the lies? What are the reasons? What are the excuses? We're going to leave them in the dark. They hold you back. And if you're hearing this, and I've heard this before from, 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 from my family or loved ones, and maybe you've heard this too, this tells you that you're making excuses, by the way. Has somebody ever said to you, this is how you know you're in the dark, by the way. They'll say, why can't you see? Why can't you see what you're doing to us? Why can't you see what you're doing to the marriage? Why can't you see what you're doing to the kids? Why can't you see what you're doing to your health? Why can't you see what you're doing to our finances? Why can't you see? And they're like, I wish you could see. And you're thinking, I can. And they're like, no. You're in the dark and you don't even know it. Why can't you see? I mean, what if you're wrong? I wrote down, if you can't see, you're wrong. You could be wrong your entire life and miss it. If we don't identify this, we will miss our purpose. It's that big. If you and I don't identify our excuses, we, we could excuse our entire life away. So back to the story. I get off track. You know that. Jesus, how does the conversation finish with Jesus and these religious folks that he's talking to? Remember, I'm the light of the world. Follow me. I am the truth. The truth will set you free. And they're like, we're not, we've never been unfree. We've never been slaves. I mean, insane. How does it end? Can I tell you how the story ends? You know what they did? They picked up rocks to kill him. That's what they did. That's how bad they want to keep it in the dark. It's crazy. Let's, let's kill him so we can keep living our lie. Let's kill him so we can live in the darkness. Let's kill him so we can keep giving reasons. Let's kill him so we can keep making excuses. They want to kill him. They pick up rocks to do it, but it wasn't God's time. So Jesus would escape. But only for a short amount of time. Eventually, he would be captured. And he would be arrested. And he would be tried for something he didn't do. <laughs> We're talking about follow. Can I tell you what happened when Jesus was arrested? Everybody clicked unfollow. It's like, you know what? I'm not. Uh, you know, he's got the blue check mark and everything. But I'm not. I'm going to be over here. Because that doesn't look safe. And that looks like it could hurt me and hurt others that I love. Everybody unfollowed him. Almost everybody. John, this is what's crazy about John who wrote the gospel. Didn't know he was writing it, but he was writing it. John was the only disciple who, who didn't flee, who didn't run. He's the only one who was actually at the cross with Jesus' mom as Jesus was, was being killed for, for you and I, for, for our screw-ups. So Jesus willingly, by the way, on the cross dying. So get this. Where did I write it? Oh, that's right. So John, I, I, I tried to picture it, and I can't, and you can't either. But John is at the cross with Mother Mary and some others, and Jesus is speaking things like, forgive them. I mean, it's crazy things. Talking to John, saying, John. And you know, Jesus knew he could trust John in that moment. The others were gone. The others clicked unfollow, not John. And you know what Jesus said to him? Take care of my mom. I love my mom, Mary. I love her. John, I trust you to take care of her. And Mary would move in with John. Did you know that? Probably in the province of Ephesus. And they would, that's where she would grow old and get taken care of. 
in the moment, Jesus sees who he can trust. And John's looking at Jesus. Imagine what John's looking at. I mean, we think this is such a glory. And it is a glorious moment. But I tell people, when the moment that God was most glorified, you and I would have been most horrified. The smell alone, and I've said this before, but it's true. The smell alone would have driven us back to the city. I mean, you, you, you can't, he's looking at, I mean, he says Jesus is the light of the world. There is no light in that moment. All there is is darkness. In fact, literally, it went dark right in the middle of the day for three hours. But yet John is so focused on his faith. Do you know how he started the gospel? How he writes his, his letter? He, this is what he says about Jesus. He doesn't start like at the birth of Jesus. He doesn't start at the baptism of Jesus. Like He starts way in the beginning because Jesus has always been. And here's what he says. I'll, I'll give you the very first chapter. John 1, verse 4. In him was life. Like there was life. And he keeps writing. And his life, it, it, it brought light to everyone. That's what I remember about him. The light shines in the darkness. And here's what I know. Even though I stood there at that day at that cross, and it was so bad, I know this. No amount of darkness can put it out. He's the light of the world. I came to give somebody hope this morning. Despite the mess that you're in, despite all your disappointment, all your screw-ups, all your mess-ups, all your excuses, all your reasons, despite all that, all the dishonesty that maybe you've had, all the lust, all the laziness, all the selfishness, despite all that, darkness, has not overcome you. This is, what, this is what God wants you to know. Like, and why? How can we say that? Because when you and I were at our darkest moment, God sent light. When you and I were at our worst, God sent his best. God sent Jesus, not just to become the center of history, but to become the center of your story. Your story of you and your life, and your kids. Jesus wants to be the center. Here, here's what's crazy. We started in the center of the story today. I gotta confess to you, starting at, starting at John 8, 12 wasn't even fair to you because it, it was the narrative. We were right in the middle of it. Did you know that? Like, like something had just happened. I, I, I'll fill you in a little bit because it'll give you context. I'll go back a few verses. But before I do, I'll set the stage. Jesus... Some of the religious people just had just walked away, and some of them were still there that he was talking to. The ones who had just walked away just had rocks in their hands, not to stone Jesus, but to, to, to kill a woman. A woman who had lived a life that, well, she's like us, screws up, sins, messes up. Only she got caught. I was just talking to a friend of mine in the Welcome Center we, we get so high and mighty, and we're talking about prison. And I said to them, I said, you know what? The only difference between me as a pastor here and them in prison is I didn't get caught. That's the only difference. Make no mistake. So she got caught. She was committing actual adultery. And what do the religious people do? They'll rip her out and throw her in front of everybody. Probably naked. Who cares? Let's shame her. And the law, you know what the law says? Kill her. Like they were doing what the law said. 
Now, what about the guy? I was like, where's the guy? I guess he somehow gets a pass, but, but she didn't. So, she get, so what she deserves is death. That's what you and I deserve too, by the way, for our screw-ups. But, but Jesus, remember Jesus, he's the opposite of death. In him was life. And his life brought light to a woman who desperately needed light. All, talk about a dark place. When you're called out and people are looking at you in a very vulnerable spot, and all they can, all they can do is sneer and shame and guilt and pick up a rock to kill. And Jesus, well, let's get to the scripture. We started in John 12. Let's go back in the narrative to John 10. Then Jesus stood up, and he's by the woman, and he says to her, this is after they threw down their rocks and walked away, because Jesus just said to them, hey, by the way, go ahead and kill her. But, 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 but make sure that whoever throws the first stone, make sure that you haven't sinned, okay? Let the, let the person who hasn't screwed up, like she, you, you go ahead and throw the first one. Of course. They throw it on the rocks. And Jesus looks at the woman. It's one of the most amazing stories in the scripture. God, it gives a, it gives a person like me, that pastor with the past, it gives me such hope. And it should give you hope too. Where are your accusers? Look, look around. Is there not even one? And she looks at Jesus. Imagine her just in this broken naked, shameful state, but I bet Jesus was just hovering over her, protecting her. And he says, there's nobody. She says, there's no one, Lord. He says, I don't, I don't condemn you either. I love you. This light feels good, doesn't it? I'm the light of the world. You don't have to live that way anymore. You can walk a new way. You don't have to make excuses by the way you lived. You don't have to make up reasons why you have to do that. You don't have to do it anymore. Stay close to me. I'll protect you. I'll love you, but don't, you need to not knock it off too. Don't go sinning anymore. You don't have to live that way anymore. There's a new way. There's a brighter way. Come with me. And then Jesus says to the crowd, I am the light of the world. Well, you know where that went, right? We just said that. That's John 8, 12. It's all one story. The word of God. I love when it comes alive. It does every time you read it. What's crazy about him and the woman, for Jesus to truly forgive her, which is what he was doing, it means he'd have to die for her sin. And he knew it. And he did it. For her. A woman caught in adultery. A woman that deserved death in the moment. A woman full of shame, guilt, disgust. And all Jesus can do is love. All he can do is point her to hope. I know what you did, but you know what? It's a new day. Jesus, she's not even the religious person. It's funny, the religious people, they can't get away from Jesus enough. The unrighteous, the sinners, the heathens. Oh, Jesus says, you know you need me. You know I'm light. And I'm here for you. And I would be for them too, but they keep walking the other way. So, but I'll be here for you because you're walking towards me, not away from me. I came to tell somebody, Jesus Christ, and this will give you such hope, Jesus Christ didn't come to make you religious. Jesus Christ came to set you free from yourself, from your mess, 
from your sin, from your mistakes, and who the Son sets free. Oh, is free indeed. Do you believe it? Freedom has come to this house today. Freedom came to that woman today. Her life changed. Just like Paul. As I read the Word of God with my small group, we're in Acts, and it reads so, like as I prepared for this message, it read differently. Because I'm like, Jesus was light. And then Paul, who was transformed, transformed by Jesus, just like the woman. Paul says things that I never caught before. Like as he's recounting his story, you know what he says? He says, oh, I met this man on a road to Damascus. And he says, a brilliant light. How does he put it? A light from heaven brighter than the sun shone on me. Do you see how the Bible ties together? I am the light of the world. John says, this light hit me. And John was a sinner, murderer, bad guy. And the light of the world exposes his secrets, exposes his sin, exposes his reasons. And Jesus is speaking, and Paul's like giving his testimony. And here's what Paul says in, the, in the, Acts 26, 18. Jesus said it actually to Paul. I'm sending you, Paul. What are you sending him to do? Open their eyes. They're blind. They're in the dark. Open their eyes so they may turn from what? Yeah, you see it. So they might turn from darkness to light. From the power of Satan, who's the enemy, make no mistake, to the power of God. Then they will receive forgiveness for their sins. Then they'll receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people, people who are set apart by their faith in me. See, Paul just gave the gospel. Did you catch it? Here's what's crazy about what we just read. The word then, he says, they'll turn from darkness to light. They'll turn. They're going to change something. It's called repentance. They're going to, turn, they're going to shift. That woman, she had, to, she had to repent. She had to be like, okay, this, this guy who loves me so much said, don't go sin no more, so I need to start doing this. I need to hang out with different people. I need to do different things. I need to get in a small group. I need to get, you know, I need to do these things. So, so they turn from Satan to God. Then they're forgiven. We somehow think that we can just believe in Jesus and live our own life, do nothing differently, and we're somehow magically in his family. Belief is the beginning. It's got to start there, but it can't stop there. He said, you follow me. That means you're going to go a different way. You're going to start to think differently. You're going to take different steps. You're going to write down the excuse and do something about it. You're going to write down what you'll lose and know that you don't want to lose it. You're going to take action. So I have to, I got to earn my salvation? Nope. You're saved by God's amazing grace that that woman found through your faith. It starts with believing in Jesus. He is the Son of God. He is the light of the world. He is the Savior of the world. He died on a cross for you and for me. But the greatest miracle was coming three days later. Because three days later, a dead man brought himself back to life. I'll say it again. A dead man brought himself back to life. If he can do that, don't you think he can do a miracle in you? He can, and he wants to. But the miracle's not up to, not up to him, it's up to you. The miracle's up to you. You're, somebody's first step is you're like, oh my God, I never, I never knew. I, I believed that Jesus existed, or, or was the Son of God, but I've never really embraced him like the woman. 
I've never had a relationship. I've never truly sold out and said, you know what, I want to live differently. Help me. You can start today. Surrender your life to Jesus. It's the greatest thing you'll ever do. When you authentically do it and you truly repent, the Holy Spirit enters into you physically. And you're saved. And salvation doesn't start in heaven. It starts today. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Oh, what God wants to do. Will you indicate whatever decision you're making online? Type it in comments, in the room. Mark it on a card. Do some, tell somebody. This mess, this series, Rachel, you were right when you prayed about convicting. It is. But isn't that what you want? You don't want to just show up do, and live the same life and make the same excuses and just trudge, trudge, trudge. Don't you want the abundant life that Jesus promised? I believe you do. I believe it with all my heart. Embrace it today. What excuse are you making? What will you lose if you keep making it? And what will you do to expose it? Your pastor's getting his butt to the gym. That's what I'll tell you I'm doing. That's just one thing I know I need to do. What about you? Do you need to get your back end to Jesus and surrender everything to him and let him shine his light and set you free? He'll do what he wants to. He died to do it. I want to pray for you. Before I pray, by the way, I, I, I wish I, had, I should have took a picture of you guys praying with each other. It was supernatural. It was supernatural. Once I pray, we're going we're gonna to worship in a song. Don't leave. Don't leave. Why would you leave when we're still worshiping? Worship shouldn't end when we leave here. It should continue. And then the prayer team's going to come up. And some of you have never come up to pray with somebody because you've made excuses. Oh, they've got more important people to pray for. That's a lie from the devil. Oh, I don't need prayer. You know you need prayer because I need prayer. We all do. Oh, I got to get somewhere. What's more important than getting at the cross of Jesus? Our dream is that the prayer team, th there'd be li people lined up. And then the line's so long, they say, you know what? Will you pray with me? And they're praying with people right in the line. Who cares? Who does it? Some of you need more private prayer. There's a prayer room right there. Use it. From one to three, we'll be back here just to pray and you can hang out. I mean, I want this to be our lifestyle, not just a section on a Sunday morning. Father, your son is the light of the world. And John knew it. John knew something the others didn't know. Like in him is life. But in the moment on the cross, all John was looking at was death. A mangled body on a cross. There was no life in that. But John somehow knew that this couldn't be the end of the story. He'd heard too many things from Jesus. He'd seen too many things. He'd seen him love so many people. He'd seen him raise people from the dead. He'd seen him feed people and care for people and encourage people. This isn't the end of the story. And this isn't the end of our story. Our excuses that we make are going are gonna to make us miss our purpose. God, no more excuses, no more lies. Help us truly put feet to the message. What's the one thing? What's the biggest excuse we're making? Will we truly acknowledge it and then do something about it? It might be just telling somebody about it.
Like I'm going to tell my small group to hold me accountable. It might be calling somebody. It might be doing the forgiving, doing the giving, uh, doing the, the covenant eyes on the phone. The first step in protecting yourself from what the enemy wants to do in you is he tries to ruin you. God, you came to raise us up, to give us new life and new light. I can't wait to talk to the woman. I can't wait to hear more of that story of how you encountered her and what you said, what you wrote in the dust because you were writing stuff and we don't even know what it was. I want to know. I can't wait. But that's down the road, God. What about today? There are people that need to surrender everything to you. We are saved by your grace, the grace that we get, though we don't deserve it. That's why it's grace. And then our faith that says, I believe in this man who is God, and I believe he died, and I believe he rose, and I want to turn to him. I truly want to do what he, what he says. I truly, when he says, go and sin no more, I truly want to do. I know I'm not perfect, but with him, there's such hope. There's such forgiveness. There's such life. God, let us embrace that. Church isn't a Sunday morning. Worship isn't a Sunday morning. It's not what we do. It's who we are. Work is worship. Family is worship. Friendships are worship. Lunch dates are worship. It's worship. Let us worship you today, God. I pray for our our garden prayer room, God. Fill it with people. We all need you. Fill fill the, the prayer team with lines of people after we sing. Oh, by the way, God, you know what? We're going to be singing about a victory because the, the, the battle has already been won. The last time, I, see, I've read the back of the book. I've gone all the way to like Revelation, the very end. And I learned something. You win. And here's what that means. If I'm with you, if we're with you, well, that means we win. And we will see a victory. In fact, in fact we, we can live in it right now. Father, help us do that today. We love you. We thank you for your amazing grace. We thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. And the church says, amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for watching today. But don't stop there. I want to invite you to like or subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, share this message with a friend. I mean, there are so many people out there hurting, struggling, and you have the ability to make an impact in their life. And finally, if, you're, if you live in the Omaha area, I want to encourage you, come join us on a weekend service. We would love, love to meet you. God bless you.